Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on a Monday morning with somewhat of a special edition of the Cubs-related podcast. It is going to be two segments. The first portion that you'll hear next will be an interview we conducted Sunday afternoon after the Cubs completed their second game of the Cactus League slate for 2019, and we talked with Jordan Bastian, who is the new MLB.com Cubs beat reporter. I think you guys may have already come across his work either on Twitter Instagram or Cubs.com, MLB.com. But if you hadn't, uh, he will give you a nice introduction to who he is and and what he will be bringing to the table. Uh, Again, if you have not already come across his work uh, for the 2019 season. And then afterward, Brendan and I will jump back on and uh, touch a little bit more, uh, I guess, in detail on the Cubs' first two spring training games that they played over the weekend. But again, to start, we are going to air our conversation from Sunday afternoon with MLB.com's Jordan Bastian. Jordan, I, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to everyone. I'd, I'd be surprised if we have listeners who have not come across your work yet, uh, but in case they haven't, where they can find you, any uh, handles or mediums you want to direct people to. And I would, you know, if you could talk a little bit about the, uh, in your Twitter profile, your pinned tweet, uh, you you give a farewell to Cleveland, kind of a hello to Chicago. And I think, you know, what really stands out to Brendan and I, and I think uh, would to most Cubs fans, would be that you're kind of one of us or, or used to be one of us now that you've been on the beat for so long, uh, in that you grew up a Cubs fan, watching the games on WGN with your grandfather, and have that kind of deep connection. So I think that is uh, something for any Cubs fans listening that don't know that. Uh, I, I certainly think that would stand out, uh, and they would relate to that. Yeah, hi, I'm Jordan. I'm a baseball writer. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi, Jordan. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Um, I mean, my, my roots in my baseball fandom were growing up a Cubs fan. So it's, I mean, obviously now I've been wearing the reporter hat for, you know, the better part of 14 years. I think this is now as a, as a beat guy. Um, I was in Toronto covering the Blue Jays from, uh, 2005 to 2010, my first year as an intern with MLB.com. And then, uh, obviously the most recent time as a beat writer was eight years spent in Cleveland for MLB.com. So I was on the other side of the World Series coverage, so I'm sure some Cubs fans inadvertently read some of my work that way in the past. And um, 2015, I actually worked with Kerry Muscat at the, the wild card game in Pittsburgh for when Jake Arrieta 
had that dominant performance. But yeah, to your point, I mean, that's where I grew up. That's where my fandom um, started. Uh, my dad was a pastor in downtown Chicago at Moody Church, one of many on staff there. And um, as I wrote in that piece, you know, Sundays for me were different than Sundays for other people who would go to church. For me, it was an all day thing until I had a car. So in order to kill time while my dad was at work, I would hop on the bus and go up to Wrigley and buy an obstructed view ticket and just sort of walk around until one of the militant, uh, you know, elderly ushers kicked me out of wherever I was sitting. Um, and then I would move somewhere else, you know, and, uh, I mean, that was my summers growing up until I had a car. Uh, it was fun. Um, I have a lot of great memories of just going there and meeting people and, um, just kind of falling in love with baseball through the Cubs and Wrigley field through some really bad baseball seasons. And then some fun ones as you got through the, the late nineties. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a little different when you're a reporter. Um, I, I would not say I'm a Cubs fan now. You're not going to read my work now and and read it through the eyes of a Cubs fan. I mean, this is the uniform of the team I grew up watching. These are not the players I grew up watching. So it's a, it's a totally different aspect. Um, so I don't want people to think like, oh, man, you got this Cubs fan in the box. That's not what it's like anymore. I actually find it liberating. I've tried to explain this to people who aren't in uh, baseball writing is it's when you lose your living and dying with one team, uh, it's actually a little liberating because I can turn on any game and get just as much enjoyment out of it. There's always something for me that I find fascinating in the game, especially with where the game is now uh, with the advent in technology and, and, and where the game's going and evolving. And I find so many things fascinating. I can turn on any game and find some player or some storyline or something that I find interesting. Uh, where when you live and die with one team, you, you kind of want to just watch your one team and the other stuff you'll watch it, but it's not, you're not as drawn to it. So that's a little different now as I've gotten older, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to admit, you know, when the, when the Cubs won in 2016, I had to get down to the clubhouse, you know, I had to go cover the Indian side of it, but I took a moment and, you know, I kind of reflected on, man, if my grandpa Bastion was here, you know, if only he could kind of see through my eyes right now, you know, uh, the more than the century's worth of, of heartbreak culminating in that moment uh, that Cubs fans, seem to forget about now that wasn't that long ago you know i read my twitter mentions <laughs> Tell us about it <laughs> my, twi- my twitter mentions seem to forget that that was uh you know comes sense of yeah it's been tough on them for the last couple of years uh but no anyways uh, kidding aside it, it's fun to have that sort of internal backdrop as i take this beat and i come home uh, my wife's whole family's still chicagoland based and so it's for us it's been 14 years of you know me cutting my teeth and establishing myself as a beat reporter and now finally getting to cover the team I grew up watching. I mean, it is a dream come true, and it's fun, and I'm really looking forward to this year and many years to come. Jordan, so, by the way, you're, you've been an incredible uh, Twitter follower since, you know, I think I followed you about a month ago. And for all of our listeners who don't follow you, I, I really, I'm, I'm impressed how you incorporate your high-quality photos. I think you carry around a camera um, on those backfields. I do. Which is, I think, for a lot of us, very new, given that most beat writers we've grown up with tend to take pictures on their iPhones, so you don't have those high-quality <laughs> right. photos. So I'm you know, scrolling through Twitter, and I'm just blown away by those quality photos. But not only do you do that, but you combine, like, you posted, for example, a Brooks baseball figure of Kyle Hendricks' release yeah. point, if I remember. And so you're doing, yeah. like, you're you're really incorporating kind of all the new aspects of baseball media all into one account i think that's unique i think it's something that like we try to do um 
you know, a Cubs insider, but like what, what you're doing is phenomenal. And I think I just want to get more insight into your thoughts on the numbers side of things and how mm-hmm. you see yourself as a beat writer incorporating all these new media aspects into your content. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for years in Cleveland, but obviously now my my uh, audience, you know, no, no offense to Indians fans, I love <laughs> you, it was great, but I just, the, there's more eyes on my work now, it's fun, um, and, you know, there's going to be, you know, I'm look, really looking forward to this summer, some of the stuff I can do for Cubs.com, things I've been doing, um, you know, through my blog, and maybe I can bring that to the main website uh, now that it's, you know, getting a lot more eyes looking at it, it's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I try and incorporate the advanced stuff obviously there's going to be the more traditional stories on cubs.com but i also like to do the deep dives and if that means i need to uh post it on the blog because i have more freedom to to write a lot longer on there or to really dive into something i'm going to do it in that space uh sometimes you'll see i'll do a shorter story for the site and then link to a really deep dive for the niche fans on the blog or like yesterday uh, uh when chris bryant hit his first home run in spring you know we you know, I had a story on the site about that and his comments, but then I had a longer Q&A with him on the blog. So I like to use as many as much space as I can to um, get as much information and content out as I can. And then the camera thing was just it started as just a hobby. I mean, I've always liked to take photos in my spare time uh, when I'm on the road or with my family or whatever. Um, but, you know, we walk around these workouts and for years you just sort of walk walking around and watching the workouts and that was fun but i was like man i just instead of just standing here and taking notes it would be fun to have a camera and kind of you know as social media was starting you know many moons ago i'm starting to date myself Whoa, back <laughs> when twitter back when the twitter started yeah. uh but no it was fun fans really liked it and so you know as i've gone through many years doing it i've gotten i think better at it i like to talk to the photographers and don't pretend i am one of them but kind of pick up advice here and there and it's fun. I love the response to it. And, you know, there's there's uh, you know, there's a romantic quality to those grainy photos that other reporters are putting out there. But um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember several several years ago, there was a, a blog that I don't know who was running it, but it was like bad spring training photos. No. And dedicated they were, just to those types. it was it was. Yeah, it was. Oof. I mean, this was when phone quality of photos was even worse and it was every spring the site would run bad spring training photos. And when we all started getting kind of <laughs> called out on this site, I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to end up on this website. So I'm going to, I'm going to get this uh, camera and I'm going to get a nice lens and do whatever I can not to be on bad string, <laughs> spring training photos. So that was sort of the impetus of that behind the scenes. Well, I think but, you're doing a good job uh, avoiding that, uh, that claim. Yeah. There, so <laughs> no worries. Yeah. About so that. it's, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, I love Carrie Muscat. I learned a lot from her. Uh, you know, she was kind of a mentor for me, but I think you're going to see a lot more of a variety of content, whether it's deep dives on analytics or traditional features or traditional stories. And like I said, uh, multimedia, you know, lots of things. I like to try and uh, learn as much as I can and um, post it in as many places as I can. So, yeah, you'll see a lot of that this year. I think that that's, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think we tend to be a, a more of an analytics heavy podcast than most. And I, you know, Brendan is, is certainly liable to, uh, dive into Z scores and, and things like that on this podcast. So I, I, 
Yeah, I, I think if anybody is is listening to this podcast, I, th- I think they're going to enjoy a lot of that extra work that you're doing, whether it's on Cubs.com or the blog. But I, I do want to touch on, since you brought it up, uh, I, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, we're, we're only two games into spring training here. The Cubs are 2-0. and Is that directly correlated to you joining the beat? Well, you know, we'll have to see. I think it's up, up for discussion. Uh, but a big day on Saturday, and I, and I guess I, I just wanted to ask what it was like to be there when, in so much as he can, Chris Bryant kind of goes off yesterday, and I say that somewhat in jest because going off for Chris Bryant is basically just saying I'm out to prove people wrong. Uh, he doesn't really take it up much past that, but for all of the worry in this offseason and the lack of big spending and, you know, Bryce Harper is still meeting in Vegas with the Phillies, apparently, I think the number one thing that would have calmed everybody down or at least kind of flipped that switch was Chris Bryant looking good and hitting home runs. And he just does just that. And then afterward kind of takes it a step further. So just what was that first game like? And and, uh, hearing Chris Bryant speak kind of so definitively on being out to prove people wrong. Yeah, it was interesting. It's it's funny. It's like always the case. Uh, it seems like I remember a couple of years ago, Michael Brantley was coming back from a, a you know bunch of surgeries, and everyone's like, "Oh man, can he be the guy?" And then his first spring training game back, of course, Flack hits a home run. We're like, "All right, of course he hits a home run." <laughs> and it's, so it's it seemed like you know uh, I think Hayward reached, and then Bryant comes up, and I think you know there's some jokes like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna hit a home run here," and then he does, and you're like, "Okay, yeah." And I mean, he knows it's early spring. Uh, the rain has interrupted the weather uh, or interrupted the workouts. The weather's been bad. Uh, so teams haven't gotten a lot of work in behind the scenes. So you know these pitchers are going to be just pumping fastballs right out of the gate. But at the same time, these guys have been relegated to indoor cage workouts. They didn't really get a lot of live BP. So to be able to step out there in your first at bat and launch one, even if you had a very high suspicion that a fastball was coming or, or a breaking ball or whatever it was in that count, um, you know, I think it was pretty cool to see right out of the gate. And then, you know, not only that, he had a hard hit single in his next at bat, so two for two. And then, yeah, had the, had the nice little scrum with the reporters where, uh, you know, he kind of talked about, you know, like uh, the thing, his doubters that he read over the, you know, the tweets. He said he'd go yeah. down a Twitter rabbit hole and uh, see dangerous. some of these things. And, uh, yeah, hey, man, whatever these players want to use for motivation – you know, it's you can't quantify it, but like the, whether it's the Pakota projection and they put that on the bulletin board, or Chris Bryant thinks that fans want him traded, whatever it is, if these players can use it as a positive motivation, uh, I mean, more power to him. If he really thinks people are doubting him and he wants and that's fueling his workouts, I'm sure the Cubs love that. Uh, now, I mean, it's the first game; it's two at bats. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you could go over for the next week. And then it's like, oh, what happened to the revenge tour? Right. <laughs> uh, but it was a it was a great story for day one, and it's going to be fun um, to see where this goes. And I mean, honestly, as much as we have all broken down at nauseum what happened over the last couple months with the offense, so much of it is linked to just Chris Bryant not being Chris Bryant, and the the domino effect that that has on the rest of the lineup. Um, other guys trying to make up for the lack of slugging. Uh, you know, it's across the board there. You saw the, the offensive problems and it all really kind of gets traced back to him just not being able to slug the way everyone was used to seeing. So if he's healthy, 
um, this lineup obviously has the, the pieces and the potential to still be uh, a top group in baseball. It's just, yeah, let's see how this all plays out. Uh, it's a fun storyline, though. It was a fun interview, and it's fun to write about. So, Jordan, uh, at the onset of the offseason, and actually throughout the offseason, a lot of emphasis was put on, and I'm just going to use the word that kept uh, that was kept bringing up, was urgency. And Joe yeah. Madden, um, who... Corey and I love Joe Madden. I have Joe Madden jersey. I'm one of those guys, right? Um, he was <laughs> talking about like reading like millennials for dummies and trying <laughs> yeah. to, uh, you know, incorporate maybe a little bit more of a philosophical change into the team dynamics. And mm-hmm. it seems ambiguous from our end, but I wanted to get your insight on Joe's interactions with the players. I know you weren't there last spring training, so it's hard to compare, right. but I just wanted, like for me personally, I'm always interested in the relationships and the dynamics between the Cubs, youngsters, yeah. and Joe Madden. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm doing a lot of right now with the other reporters. Like, hey, did they do this last year? Or hey, is this new? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. you know, they're probably sick of me by now asking, like, hey, you know, is this something that you're used to seeing? Or because everything is new to me, and I'm trying to figure out, like, yeah, what is new? What is not new? One thing that was interesting, and I wrote about it on the site today, and a little bit in the blog last night was. Um, Joe, he's obviously said he wants to be more hands-on with the situational hitting, or as now uh, he's been dubbing it opportunity hitting, because that's what uh, hitting coach Anthony Iaposi has been calling it. You know, So you're going to hear a little bit different phrasing from Joe probably from time to time um, just in that regard. So if you hear him say opportunity hitting, he's talking about situational hitting. Anyways, they had a drill on one of the fields where they took these miniature baseballs and they were feeding them into a machine at around 30 feet from home plate uh, it's coming in at 60 miles an hour so it's simulating about 90 plus miles an hour and it's a miniature hard baseball and the machine actually generates a little bit of ride on the baseball as we were talking to madden today about um everything involved here and while he's feeding them in he's calling out situations hey we got no outs runner on second we have bases loaded we have runners in scoring position we have Hit and run. He kept calling out different situations. So not only do you have a smaller baseball coming in at what's simulated at 90 plus miles an hour, but you really got to lock in and shorten your swing and tweak your approach based on the situation. So this is one thing that Madden came up with for this spring. It's new. The players really liked it from day one from talking to Schwarber. Uh, you know, he said he, you know, anything that they think is going to help, obviously they're going to dive into right now and. It beats, honestly, you, we've all seen it in spring. These coaches go out there, they throw VP, it's great. The players can focus on their mechanics. But any player can manipulate a BP fastball. I mean, if a player says, I want to just hit home runs right now, uh, chances are they're going to be able to do that. If they say, hey, I want to work the right field, chances are they're going to be able to do that. What this drill specifically was doing was taking that element away, that it was way more reactionary. So this was one element of Madden saying he wants to be more hands-on in the situational hitting. That's one thing to say it. Well, now we have a little tangible evidence of, well, here he is out on the field running this drill. Um, And that was a little different from what I've gathered from previous years. Other than that, a lot of it is just the way um, information is presented. I think, you know, he says when they hold meetings, it's figuring out how you can boil down all the information into short, for these players in these meetings they don't want long meetings hey i got a teenager at home and i can tell you when the, when joe madden says the younger player they don't want to just be told to do something they want to know why we have to do something 
I kind of get that actually from a parenting <laughs> standpoint because I'm I deal with that at home with a teenager. If I give an instruction, the because I said so, it, it just doesn't always fly. You have to say, "Here's why I said so," um, and so it's funny. Like as Joe has talked about this, I'm going, "Oh yeah, you know, I know exactly what yeah, you're talking you about." Um, yeah, I'm dealing with one of these uh, these teenage girls who's just looking at their phone all the time, and I have to give the I got to give the why uh, when I'm giving her instructions. Um, so it's interesting. So on that very kind of base level, you know, that's kind of tweaking communication to give the why, uh, making meetings shorter. And, you know, like it's different. You know, in a previous generation, if a coach or a veteran said, this is the way we do things. And so that's you have to do them, rookie, because right. that's the way it's always been done. And then the rookie would go, OK, and then they just do that. <laughs> and because that's the way it's always been done. Well, there's so much information at everyone's fingertips now. Um, it's natural, I think, for uh, and I'm not that old, but it's natural to for a younger person to maybe if you're told something to go, well, I can now look up information to see if this is accurate or, you know, it, should I be doing it? Is this actually the best thing for me to do? Or how many of these players now have their own personal swing coaches in the offseason? You know, a hitting coach is going to give them instruction. Well, what if it goes slightly against what they've been working on with their personal coach. So there's got to be more, more communication tweaking behind the scenes to kind of get everyone, I guess, collaborative and to the point and explaining the why. And I guess that's the best way to sum it up. That's that's good stuff, Jordan. And like Brendan said, it is kind of stuff we read about, but it's it's not always easy to decipher exactly what's going on. So it's very interesting, especially with Joe Madden of all people. You know, we know he's kind of always thinking outside of the box, doing things a little differently. So that's uh, very interesting to hear. I think uh, just uh, a couple, you know, quick, you know, maybe rapid fire questions for you, and then and then we'll let you go. Um, going back to especially, you were talking about how being pulled back from just that one fandom allows you to kind of appreciate the the game in a broader sense and get excited about different things for different teams. I was wondering if if when you got the call or, or the official notice that you would be switching over to the Cubs beat, obviously, you know, we, we talked about the 2016 World Series, you, you were kind of, your work was intertwined with them already in the past. But was there anything that jumped out to you when you got that news that you thought, I can't wait to have this be something I cover on a daily basis or a storyline, a player, whatever it is with this current Cubs group, like I am really looking forward to this being a part of my job every day. Well, it's not the commute to work. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, Arizona is no, not that bad. No, Arizona's great. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it is when I get to, to Chicago dealing with Oof. the Illinois traffic. Um, no, you know, that's I've had a few people ask me that. And um, nothing really jumped out specifically. I would say, obviously, getting to watch uh, Javi Baez every day. But I just came from watching Francisco Lindor every day, so yeah, I sure. imagine it will be um, similar. But they're, you know, they're friends, and you know, I would hear Lindor talk about Javi. And now it's going to be fun to kind of see um, Javi on a day-to-day basis. You know. Uh, kind of being around joe madden i was looking forward to that you know i've been spoiled with uh manager personalities in my career i had john gibbons when i was in toronto cito gaston and then obviously um terry francona manny acta i covered him before he was fantastic with reporters um and so you know obviously i've seen joe madden from afar i was kind of looking forward to um getting in that room and hearing some of his stories and the way 
he likes to present things. So, so that's been even you know right away with this millennial stuff. It's been kind of right. interesting out of the shoot, uh, and then just kind of seeing some of these veteran starters. You know, we're in this era. I find this this really kind of fascinating dynamic right now that we're in this era of uh, ex- you know increased bullpenning. The opener being embraced by multiple teams, some out of necessity, some because of the trend and the data. And here we are looking at this Cub staff with, you know, potentially five guys that could be 180, 200 inning starters. It's a really mm-hmm. classic rotation, you know, led by some really veteran guys. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of interested to, to get around that and, and see those guys. I mean, I've been spoiled also in covering starting pitching. I covered Roy Halladay. Um, I obviously got to cover Corey Kluber and, and Trevor Bauer and some of these guys in Cleveland. And now to kind of get to watch John Lester and Cole Hamels and you Darvish and kind of appreciate what they do. You know, I'm looking forward to that, that element of it. And, um, you know, obviously the watching Bryant and Rizzo, well, there's a lot of things, um, that I'm really looking forward to working in Wrigley. I know not a lot of reporters like, uh, the working conditions of Wrigley field, but I have, you know, sentimentality tied to growing up there and going there. So I think it's going to be fun walking to that press box for the first time, uh, as as my press box, you know, I've been there on the road and during the World Series, um, but it'll be fun to take my seat and kind of. I think that's when it'll hit home uh, that I made this job change. So, um, a lot of different things. There's not like one thing that jumps out, but I would say off the top of my head, those are some little things. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, last question, and then we'll uh, let you, you know, kind of lay out uh, social media handles where where everybody can find your stuff. I'm just curious, and, and you kind of touched on it, kind of a, a good lead into the question. As we head into Monday, where we're going to uh, start seeing the you know main starting rotation guys get their first looks, um, and you touched on Chris Bryant as well, but I, I'm wondering if you have... Just one thing, uh, especially, you know, since we don't get to see all these games and, you know, some are on the radio, et cetera, if it's, if it's not already Chris Bryant, which you touched on, is there anything that as you're looking, going into the 2019 season, you know, we've heard all about the offseason, the Brewers, Cardinals getting better. Is there, you know, one thing or one player where you're watching the rest of these spring training games with a particularly keen eye thinking, this is the most important thing, or, or this is really integral to the Cubs' success in 2019. If this is going well, then, I, you know, Pakoda be damned. I, I think we're we're looking, the Cubs, not we, the, the Cubs are looking good here. Uh, I, I, two things. First of all, the overall defense, um, because I think as you look at whether it's the bullpen or the rotation, you know, not that velocity is the be-all, end-all, but we are in this era of, uh, high octane pitching, you know, studs out of the bullpen, and the Cubs. Whether uh, you know you're looking at the rotation again or the, or the relief staff, you know their fastball averages were near the bottom last year. It's a really ball and play dependent staff. So in order for this rotation and, and pitching staff to really work, the defense has just got to be top notch. And you know I know Madden loves to move these guys around, but I'm going to be kind of watching just how do these guys look in the field? Is this you know, are the BAPIP gods going to, you know, bite this team or not? Oh, God, no. um, and then I think uh, a big part of that, not just the defense behind the pitchers, it's going to be Wilson Contreras, you know, was yeah. last last year's extreme tailspin in terms of uh, pitch representation. You know, I mean, he wasn't great the year before, but it was so bad in terms of the numbers last year. So many pitches on the edges that just didn't get called the pitching staff's way. And how much better would that pitching staff have been 
you know, if some of those calls would have gone the different way. And um, so I think it's going to be important to watch what is he doing behind the scenes, whether it's with Borsello or David Ross or some of these guys to, to shore up his defensive mechanics. And, you know, you're not asking him to become the top pitch framer in the league, but, you know, if you can get him to, to league average and then have him bounce back as a hitter, you know, that's a really talented combination behind the plate. Uh, so I think those those two things kind of work in concert together, um, you know, when you have a pitching staff of this dynamic. That's the beauty of baseball is everything is linked together. You know, if the rotation is going through a rough time, the bullpen takes a hit. If the rotation is going great, the bullpen is in a better position. If the defense is playing well, that helps the pitching staff and then puts less pressure on the offense. It's just, it's Everything is so tied together and linked. And I think uh, that's kind of what's going to be the most important thing for this Cubs team is to have the defense and the pitching really working in concert together this year, in in order to maximize uh, you know all the every all those little facets. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, uh, this was fantastic stuff. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us here, uh, especially you know after the game. You know you've got a lot going on. Uh, so tell tell our listeners where they can find your stuff, anywhere you want to direct their attention to, and you know we'll be sure to reiterate uh, that at the end as well. Yeah, obviously, Cubs.com is where the bulk of the work is going to be. My blog is Bastion.MLBlogs.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at ML Bastion, like Major League Bastion, and then <laughs> uh, stupid Instagram. Somebody else took that, so I'm Bastion MLB on Instagram for my work account, and then my cell phone number is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to wow. do that. What you a, do not want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My e- yeah, my emails and mentions are, are uh, entertaining enough. We'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, that is great, Jordan. Everybody, make sure you follow him if you're not already checking out his work. Uh, Again, thank you very much uh, for the time today, Jordan. Hey, no problem. Thanks, Jordan. We really appreciate it, man. Okay, Brendan. So uh, it is just you and I now. Uh, Again, we thank Jordan very much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, We have already mentioned his work on this podcast, uh, but certainly enjoying it so far this offseason, Brendan. I know, and you mentioned it in the interview, but anytime a beat reporter is using Brooks Baseball release point data, Brendan is is all in already. So uh yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely made an impression on the the Cubs related podcast. And I think uh especially if if you like sometimes when we take a more analytical slant to things, uh it does seem in the early going that Jordan is is going to be a really good follow and provide some excellent insight into you know not only just the the narrative stuff going on with the Cubs, but really get in there and dig into more detail and you know kind of try to uncover more information and insight. Jordan gets it, man. Like he he is an incredible follow. Like I said, just for the pictures alone, like that's worth the follow. But then you add in the bonus of you know all the the beat stuff that comes with being a writer for cubs.com like he gets the inside quotes he gets and he combines that with the great analytics stuff like guys probably one of the best if not the best uh beat writer i think for the for the cubs in addition with you know sahadev and those folks at the athletics so fun talking to jordan personally i thought the stuff about the situational hitting or the opportunistic hitting mm-hmm. um as they said was informative i, I can't imagine like facing those small baseballs from was it 30 feet away like that would scare the the hell out of me but from at least that perspective and joe madden 
you know, integrating himself more with the players and being more talkative in terms of that. It sounds as if that's an example of what Joe Maddon and Theo, what they wanted to accomplish going into spring training and getting Joe more involved, I guess, in that way. So that that was informative, Corey. Yeah. So uh, again, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We always, uh, you know, try to try to get people on here if uh, we can, and and it's going to be an interesting chat. So I, I think we were uh, very lucky to have Jordan join us today. But now you're stuck with just Brendan and I again. So uh, sorry for that. Uh, I, I think Brendan, the worry with you know when we have people on to interview them is that we kind of move the bar a little higher, and then people are like, ugh, it's just these two again. Yeah, um, but Brendan, we have organized professional baseball to discuss. It is just spring training, and I think I'm on record on this podcast probably a number of times uh, as this is, I think, the third spring training we've done, fourth season, but I don't know if we were covering spring training that first year. It is uh, not my favorite time of the year. I'm not big on reading into things, but Brendan, I will tell you, on Saturday afternoon, in his first at-bat, Chris Bryant hits a two-run home run after Jason Hayward gets on base in front of him, and I messaged you and Evan from Cubs Insider basically saying, I am now the conductor of the hype train, Chris is hitting 50, Cubs are winning 115, let's ride. I'm ready to go start the season right now. And I knew that that would happen. But, and I alluded to this in talking with Jordan, was there anything, we, we have, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the, the schedule for the main rotation guys uh, that starts later this afternoon, if you guys are listening to this on Monday. But is there anything else that you would have wanted to see in that first game other than Chris Bryant going yard? And we'll we'll touch on his his postgame comments, but that was so perfect and right out of the gate, just exactly, I think, what we all needed. It's that iconic Chris Bryant swing, you know, like that kind of like out in front, easy wrist flip. It's just so beautiful to see. And his postgame comments, like you're going to get into it, but like, man, that just gets me pumped up here. And I, you know, we say fifty and everything. It, it it's not really out there. I, I really don't think so. And if Brian can stay healthy and he has a lot to prove this year, personally, like he even himself said, he he has a lot of motivation. I'm excited, and I I don't know. I, I knew like I, said, I knew this would happen. Once the Cubs start playing, you kind of put past yourself some of the negative stuff that went over during the off season, and you just get back to baseball and. Seeing, you know, Brian play well, and even recently seeing, like, Alberto Mora looks pretty good, believe it or not. It looks trimmer, had a base hit today. It's fun to see the guys back at it. Yeah, so after the game, uh, Chris Bryant was basically asked if he had heard or seen a little bit of the talk about him in in this past offseason or last season. Obviously, uh, a down year for him. It was riddled with injuries, I think, uh, of all places— you you know we do not tolerate Chris Bryant's slander on this podcast or over at CubsInsider.com. So we have certainly been banging the drum that he was hurt and he it, you know was and remains one of the best players in baseball when healthy. 
But Brendan, we would be lying if we said that we didn't see some of these comments. I get some of them on our Instagram, uh, at Cubs Related. You saw Buster Only of ESPN writing, which we said at the time, a completely nonsense article that the Cubs were looking to trade him and that it, you know, wasn't that crazy. And, you know, we, of course, were saying that is really crazy. And I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um... But they, you know, the beat writers asked him after the first spring training game on Saturday against the Brewers, did you see any of that? You know, did, did you read any of that? Did you think about it at all? Did it, you know, motivate you or anything? And I'll, I'll read the uh, direct quote from Chris Bryant, and I'm getting this quote from Jordan Bastion's Twitter account, which we uh, just mentioned. So again, at ML Bastion on Twitter. Chris Bryant says, quote, Definitely a little bit, but boy, it was great. You know, when you're not playing, you have a whole lot of time to kind of just sit there and either go through a Twitter rabbit hole or whatever. You start seeing things about yourself and seeing things saying trade him and this and that. And I'm like, all right, I'm motivated. Keep them coming. Bring it. Whatever you guys write, I try not to read it. Most of you guys are great anyway, but honestly, like I said, it's, quote, what have you done for me lately? And last year, I didn't really do anything. And sure, it was warranted, but boy, did it motivate me this year. I'm excited. And quote, before we jump into, again, Chris Bryant being motivated and, you know, kind of having something to prove, I don't think I could get hyped up more by anything. I'm not even sure John Lester could say anything that would hype me up as a vengeful, a vengeful Chris Bryant. Brendan, that is, that should terrify everybody else in Major League Baseball. But I, I do want to point out, I, I just want to uh, point out, and this is very typical Chris Bryant in terms of his modesty. He says at the end of that quote, and sure, it was warranted. It was not, uh, Chris. You were injured and have... Currently, even as it stands right now, with an injury plague 2018, I've mentioned this before, but he, since his debut, has the fourth most wins above replacement of any position player in baseball, save guys named Jose Altuve and Mike Trout. So it was not warranted for people to be suggesting that you get traded or suggesting that you weren't being productive enough. You were hurt, Chris. So I, I even a little too modest here when, when trying to, I, I guess, clap back at some of these. But Brendan, it seems that Chris Bryant has seen what was said about him by some, not a, not a majority, I don't think, a very, you know, minor portion of Cubs fans, but he's seen it. He has saved the receipts, and he is planning on reminding everybody that I am not a good player. I am not a great player. I am one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Make sure you're putting respect on the Chris Bryant name when it's coming up in discussions, Buster Olney. Cool. Uh, like, I'm ready to start the season tomorrow, actually. After hearing that, I mean, you would never expect Brian to, to be that vocal about those sorts of things. So it was surprising, but I love it. Like, I absolutely, I I adore him saying that. Like, go out there and stick up for yourself. Like, screw, you know, everyone who's tweeting at you and suggesting that you should be traded. Like, yeah, like, screw them. I, I, I love it. And it's it's so encouraging to not only hear him talk like that, but he's healthy. And he keeps saying he's healthy, and he keeps getting asked a question, hey, how's that shoulder? But every single sign points to him being healthy. The first game is a great encouraging mark of his rehab. So it's going to be fun. And look, you know, 
I really do think it's somewhat simple if Chris Bryant is healthy, if you Darvish is healthy, and nothing extreme happens from anyone other than or any other player, this team's going to be right where you expect them to be in that mid ninety win category. It's just I, I I keep going back to that as maybe as like a, a safety net, so to speak. But I really do believe that Corey, if Brian comes back, shows who he is, goes out there, hits close to forty homers, and he's the guy that we've seen in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, like look out. Major League Baseball, look out, because the Cubs' offense probably will be up there among the best. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, again, you know, and and Jordan touched on this a a little too, that, you know, it's just the first game, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of games left that could maybe uh, kind of reverse that excitement. I hope that's not the case. But, yeah, knock on wood. Normally I'm telling you that, but, yeah. Uh, But that was just exactly the way to start this this Cactus League schedule off uh, is getting Chris going. And, you know, it was a home run off Chase Anderson, too. So, you know, not uh, necessarily just some random pitcher in the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, you know, minor league roster invitees or anything like that. So very good to see. And I am really excited to see what a a vengeful Chris Bryant looks like and and again I alluded to it in the interview but it it is funny to see Chris go off on on the media because you you can really tell that that's basically as angry and that's like Chris's that was basically Chris's version of an expletive laden rant right like that's I, I would assume that's pretty much the extent you know he usually rips out a no. few dangs in, in some of those uh some of those quotes but i don't think he even went to that length yeah i don't think so i may be keeping it uh especially pg for the children since he knew he was on camera but again very good to see that and and i i think again right out the gate exactly what you want to see so as you guys are listening to this the cubs are probably in the middle of their game on monday afternoon um but they go 2 and 0 over the first weekend uh certainly not something that matters i'm definitely not going to be uh championing their cactus league record uh, as as if that is something that matters but nice to see them getting wins and and seeing some of the guys contribute I, i think that other than chris bryant i don't know that any individual performances necessarily stood out we did see tyler chatwood start the game on sunday he goes two innings two hits two earned uh those coming on a brandon belt home run he walked one and struck out one he did brendan throw three more strikes than he did balls it's a work in progress. We'll, we'll see. Again, I, I don't. I don't know exactly where this team is expecting him to fit in. Um, obviously, he's starting this game. We, we've heard, you know, about trying to make sure that he has length in his his arm, is is able to go multiple innings. Uh, but we'll see. It's a work in progress. This was his first outing. There were a lot of reports from the beat writers that his delivery looks a, a little simpler, cleaner, which is nice to hear. But you know, again, we've kind of seen this line before. He gives up a couple runs, gets a double play, you know, walks a guy. We'll see, right? Something to keep an eye on, but I don't know that we really have enough from just one start to really 
go off very much. I will point out that the home run was hit by Brandon Belt. So again, similar to Chris Bryant uh, hitting off of Chase Anderson, you know, not some random person taking Tyler Chatwood deep. I think that's uh, only fair to mention. Yeah, I think that the change to look for when watching Chatwood, if you are wanting to watch Chatwood, but uh, The Athletic had a, a great article really detailing what Chatwood is doing differently. And specifically to his mechanics, he's not doing that like glove tap just before he brings his arm back. That's the best way I can describe it. So, you know, you can look for that. Like you're saying, Corey, he was trying to simplify things throughout the offseason. And just to reiterate what you said in the last podcast, chat was really interesting clay. And right now there's no defined role for him, which is fine because the Cubs, I mean, quite frankly, they they would benefit from him being pretty good and and being the guy they saw even in Colorado, but they don't they don't need him to 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 do that. I know it's kind of weird to say, but they have depth right now. So if Chadwick can even go back to his Colorado days, he's an extra depth piece. But at most, if the Cubs can get him right, he becomes more than a depth piece, and he becomes a very viable option with an aging rotation. God forbid something happens. So it's going to be fun to monitor. I don't think Chatwood gets enough um, attention, to, to be honest, because I know I know we have Hamels. I know the rotation's essentially set. But, you know, there should be more attention, I think, given to him, just from a fan perspective. Maybe I'm just projecting because I haven't given him that much attention. But I, I think it's, it's going to be fun to watch him progress, if he does progress. Because kind of like Hugh Darvish, he he has a lot to prove with that contract, just personally for him. So I'm I'm rooting for him. You know, he he upset us and and fans, and I'm, he was not happy with his own performance. But seeing him get back to way things used to be for him will be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the other big note from this weekend slate of games, and this is one of those things where, you know, the nature of podcasts, I will direct you immediately to Twitter or Cubs.com to check for an update if you were listening to this on Monday morning or Monday afternoon. But David Bodie does leave Sunday's game after being hit in the back of the helmet by a Madison Bumgarner pitch, uh, something that you certainly never like to see in spring training. Uh, but the initial check by the Giants doctor on Sunday afternoon, everything looked okay. They did not believe there was anything concerning, uh, but he would be looked at over Sunday night and then uh, hopefully an updated report on Monday when you guys are probably listening to this. So again, the nature of recording a podcast and you know, time moving forward. That's, that is how uh, the laws of physics work, at least as far as I know. Check, check Twitter. Uh, Cubs Insider will certainly update on it if there is one available, but obviously guys like Jordan Bastian and, and the other beat reporters, check with them so that you're getting the, the current news on David Bodie, but hopefully everything okay there, just not something you like to see. And certainly coming off of a 2018 season where we saw Chris Bryant get hit in the face um, and miss time, and obviously that's a very scary situation anytime the head is involved in any of these things. It did sound like it got the helmet, which is good in so much as it can be good. Uh, but just, you know, we're, we're thinking of David Bodie here, hoping he's all right. And uh, again, make sure you're, you know, checking for that that most recent update. Moving on, uh, looking ahead to this week. Again, you guys are probably listening to this on Monday. The Cubs may already be playing, uh, but we did get an idea of when we will see the five 
men who we believe will be occupying the starting rotation, uh, unless Joe pulls some sort of crazy thing from his bag of tricks, uh, and it lays out as such. Monday, it will be number 34, your boy John Lester making his Cactus League debut. Tuesday, I think, will be the day that most of us are most interested in, as that will be Hugh Darvish's spring training debut. Wednesday, it will be Cole Hamels. Thursday, Kyle Hendricks. And Friday, Jose Quintana. So that is when you can expect to see the main starting rotation pitchers. And as always, in spring, and you know, I guess really in the regular season too, but this stuff always subject to change. Um, the weather has been weird in Arizona, so you know, if it's rainy or, or particular conditions, you may see one of these guys move to a different time. We'll see, but as as of now, tentatively, that is the schedule. So, Brendan, I, I throw it to you. Am I incorrect in saying that Tuesday is the day that I think everybody has circled here? As much as I love watching John Lester pitch, we don't get to see any of these games uh, anyway. I believe the first day the Cubs are on TV is March the 2nd. But as much as I love watching John Lester pitch and, you know, would love to see what Kyle Hendricks looks like now and what Cole Hamels is going to be bringing to the table in 2019. Tuesday seems like the day, right? Uh, I got the entire week circled, man. And, and by the way, this spring, follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Arizona has amazing weather, great landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Really, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Follow your favorite team, you know, in addition to the Cubs, if you're into that. There's 10 stadiums. There's 15 teams within 50 miles of one another. The temperatures are going to be heating up to a beautiful mid-70 degree consistency. And you can meet the players, get autographs before games, go to the backfield at around 10 in the morning. And you can get autographs from guys like Chris Bryant and Rizzo. They're always usually there. And there's so much to see and do nearby. Check out amazing restaurants and bars, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angels, Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. You can go hiking, biking, you go on Jeep tours in between games, really anything you want to do outdoor-wise, you can do it in Arizona. And of course, it's very family-friendly. Arizona has tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. Corey, this entire week is going to be stressful, man. Just one after the other, Monday, Tuesday, and so on. It's just like, I don't know if I can do all five of the, star- of the cup starting pitching in one week. It's just too much anxiety for me. But, I mean, like you're saying, that, that Tuesday, seeing Darvish go out there, uh, I'll be monitoring those radar guns. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't want to do that, but it's just how it is. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of different reports after the game from both Darvish and and associated, you know, beat reporters around the area. So it's going to be very insightful into Darvish's rehab process. Everything sounds as if it's been perfect so far. So it's just another check mark to, you know, check off the list of his rehab. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I do always find it amusing because, like, when I saw the rotation listed out, I'm thinking, oh, cool, that's exciting. And it's it's always amusing to me that your first reaction is, oh, God, this upcoming week, I'm going to have this distress. It's like every day. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Like the first, here's the thing. The first start for spring training is so like, ah, I just can't do it. And I think, 
I honestly think it's because I'm scarred from a few years ago. Like I, I was working. Um, I actually worked the scoreboard at the Giants spring training facility, and I was working one of the Cubs games. It was one of those ESPN night games. I was so stoked to like work a game the Cubs are actually playing in. And Arietta was starting, and this is what is this? This is prior to 2016. I think I said that, but um, Arietta's coming off his 2015 historical year, and he gets shelled the first inning. I don't know if you remember that. And he leaves the game after throwing 92 to 93. Of course, this is coming off him throwing 95 to 96 the previous year. And I'm scarred. I'm sitting there in the booth the entire time for eight more innings. Arietta, God knows what happened to him. He's out of the first inning. There's reports of him having blisters. His velocity is down. And that was the first start for him. So I'm scarred for that. I don't want to see that happen again. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sick. Well, yeah, I think that goes without saying. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, that Tuesday is the day because, you know, we've seen these other guys need time to really get up to speed. And that's the case with anybody. You know, you you have these guys. And like Jordan pointed out earlier, the weather has been weird in Arizona. I, I don't think that every, all of these teams have really been able to conduct their workouts and training exactly how they would like. Um, you know, we've certainly seen most of the guys. I mean, Joe Madden was wearing a winter hat one of the days these weeks. You know, I think naturally these, these first starts, you, you know, I, I think you kind of have to just see what happens. And that's kind of why I said that about Chatwood, where it's like, you know, I'm not going to read too much into it because you've got plenty more starts and and pitches to throw here just in spring training. And, you know, I don't think that these guys, you know, these guys certainly don't come out in this first start ready to unleash their full arsenal, the exact sequencing that they're going to be using in the regular season games and, you know, pumping as hard as they can, you know, to try to, you know, really be heating up those radar guns. So it's one of those things where, and maybe I'm saying this out loud for the podcast, but maybe I'm speaking directly to you, Brendan, uh, and just saying, you know, they're they're going to throw an inning or two, get get themselves out there. They're they're trying to get their arm and everything in shape, and you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into it, especially because you know, uh, someone like Kyle Hendricks stands out as someone who it's a process for him to sort of build up that velocity and and get to that point where he is one of the better starting pitchers in the league. So that kind of gives you the lay of the land here for the regular starters. Again, over that first weekend against the Brewers and the Giants, we saw, you know, the regular starters getting intermixed there. Chris Bryant playing on Saturday, but not on Sunday. Rizzo getting in there on Sunday, uh, going 0 for 2 with a walk in that game. Almora leading off in that game. Hayward leading off on Saturday. So we're starting to see these guys kind of uh, trickle in and, and, and make their appearances and get things going here. Um, and again, that with the rotation, you know, now you're going to get your first look at them. And we're, we're making progress here into kind of seeing how this team is 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 going to come together. Uh, it was, I, I think, on Sunday, one other note just that, that kind of stood out. Again, these are things to, to monitor over a much longer period of time than just one outing or one game. Uh, but it was good to see Dylan Maples throws an inning uh, where he strikes out two batters, does not walk anybody. He's a guy who we've mentioned before that has kind of X-factor potential in that bullpen, but a very serious command issue that needs to be very much ironed out uh, before that would uh, happen. Uh, 
Norwood also pitching an inning on Sunday, giving up two hits uh, and a walk, uh, but nothing beyond that. He getting out there, getting more experience. Uh, Meeks, an inning of just a walk, no hits, no runs. Uh, And Webster throwing two innings uh, with just one walk, no hits. So good to see some of these guys out there. Uh, Again, names we have brought up before as potential to crack that bullpen and and, and play an impact for this team in 2019. So good to just see these guys out there. Um, None of them giving up runs, you know, Norwood letting more men on base than I think you'd obviously be hoping for. Uh, But just good to see these guys getting out there, getting experience. And again, um, and we hope everything with David Bodie is okay come Monday morning or Monday afternoon whenever we get the update on that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, as, as long as we can get through these games with everybody healthy and, and having that opportunity to contribute, I think that's that's the most important thing here. I will say that, you know, now that we are in these spring training games, we, we are liable to get the, the two podcasts a week thing going here soon. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but I think if that game that takes place on Saturday had occurred during the week, I, I think Chris Bryant homering and, and delivering those quotes might have uh, warranted jumping on and, and not not waiting uh, to discuss that. So especially with these guys, uh, you know, normally, you know, midweek we would record Wednesday night. So by that time, you will have uh, three of the five main starting pitchers have made their debuts. So uh, we'll keep you guys updated, but definitely... I think look for us to be increasing the volume of podcasts here very shortly. But other than that, uh, that is kind of the lay of the land. The Cubs play baseball basically every day from here uh, until the Cactus League schedule is over uh, toward the end of March. So you can kind of just uh, book that in for your plans here going forward. Again, not all the games are televised, but I believe if you have just an MLB.com account, not MLB TV, uh, but just an account to log in on MLB.com, you can listen to uh, some of the games. I think most, if not all of the games are broadcast via radio on MLB.com. A a small note, I think for some of the games, if you listen to an app or on 670thescore.com, which is the radio home of the Chicago Cubs, you will not be able to do that for some of these games. They have to broadcast a different feed. I don't know why, uh, but I believe going through MLB.com is the way to go if you are just looking to listen to the games that are not available on TV. Uh, But other than that, Again, we thank uh, Jordan Bastian very much for taking the time to talk with us, follow along with his work, uh, MLB.com, Cubs.com. His blog is Bastian.MLblogs.com. B-A-S-T-I-A-N is how you spell his last name, and M-L Bastian is also his Twitter handle. So make sure you guys give him a follow. He'll be providing excellent coverage, as he already has, uh, throughout spring training and into the 2019 season. So again, we thank him very much for joining us. Uh, As always, uh, we thank you guys for listening. Make sure you are subscribing uh, wherever you are preferring to listen to these podcasts. We continue to get those five-star reviews on the Apple iTunes store, which we always very much appreciate. Uh, So again, thank you guys for listening, uh, and we will talk to you guys soon. And whether they are playing a spring training game in Mesa, Arizona, or not, go Cubs. 
Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.